Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com slash shift. As an international life coach, Misty Rose Gold is passionate about working with entrepreneurs and high achievers. She has decades of experience in helping her clients reach their goals and achieve their dreams and step into the most fulfilling life they could ever imagine. Oftentimes, their results are nothing short of miraculous. Misty will fight for you until you have the breakthrough you are looking for. Her love and dedication to her clients are unprecedented. You are her mission. Your success is her passion. Misty Rose Gold is a beautiful spirit following the calling that God placed on her heart and pulled her from her own life of despair to help others experience wholeness and healing. She shares some of her tools for overcoming your past and believing in the power of your dream. Well, Misty, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm just so excited to have you on the show and looking forward to a a great conversation. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So typically I just have people start with where they start their entrepreneurial journey and and how you, you made the decision to work for yourself. (laughs) that's a great story so thank you for starting there actually um so i was 10 years old and my grandma had a yard sale and she says to me hey come work my yard sale come be a sales girl for me i was like okay didn't know what to do but okay you know that's my personality all right let's try (laughs) so I went to her yard sale, having fun. She showed me what to do. And, you know, I just kind of ran with it and had fun selling to people and helping them out. And this one guy comes along and he's super engaging and we're talking a little bit. And then he's like, how much is the rake up on the wall here? And we were in the garage by that time. And I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't have a price on it. Um, How about $10? (laughs) So he's like, okay, done, I'll take it. And then I went up to my grandma, I'm like, grandma, grandma, I sold the rake on the wall. Can you get it down for him? And she starts laughing. She's got this big, huge grin on her face and she's chuckling and she says, you know what? I'm sorry, sir, but it's not for sale. But since my granddaughter sold it to you, I'll let you have it for $10. (laughs) So she got the rake down and gave it to him and the transaction was closed. And after they took care of their adult stuff, he walks up to me and he says, you know, one of these days you're going to be an amazing entrepreneur. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What's that? And he's like, you're going to be a great businesswoman one of these days. And from that moment forward, the bug was planted and I was looking for my thing, you know, like. I kept trying thing after thing, after thing, after thing, after thing until something sticks. But even then, like even on my journey now, like nothing's permanent. You have to pivot and transition and, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, that's the beginning of my entrepreneur's journey. So I became an entrepreneur at 10 years old. (laughs) Nice. So uh, you mentioned obviously transitioning and pivoting. And so what? pivoted you into your current iteration Hmm. so life coaching has always been a part of my life always always it started when I was eight years old and I started coaching myself to get myself out of the toxic life I was born into it was very toxic very unhealthy so for that man to speak to me at 10 years old and say you're going to be a great entrepreneur one day I'm like okay, like he, so my grandmother was the only person that was good to me and she loved me and spoke life into me. 
But then this guy comes along who's a complete stranger and I remembered that. It had such a great impact on me because the rest of my life was so negative. Mm. And it was so filled with darkness and hate and negativity and toxicity and lack of, I mean, lack of love, lack of everything, neglect. I mean, you name it, there was so much and there was a lot of abuse in there too. So at eight years old, I had this divine message that came to me that said, you're here to change the world. And that's when I started thinking about how to change my own world. So that was the very beginning stages of my journey as a life coach. Wow. Well, obviously you've taken on you know, personal development and, and those early stages. Um, so build a gap in between <laughs> eight-year-old you in personal development and adult mm -hmm. you in personal development. Mm -hmm. So I went on this journey of how do I figure this out? How do I, you know, I have this information in front of me now and it's like depressing <laughs> because I see the truth about my family. I see the truth about the life that I'm in. It's like the blinders were taken off my eyes. So it was quite depressing for a couple of years, but it was also encouraging at the same time and motivating. So it, it switched my thinking immediately of how do I get out of this, right? Instead of just going with the flow of the toxicity of my family, it was how do I get out of this? And I've been on that journey, you know, of how do I overcome everything that was thrown at me? How do I overcome everything that I was born into? And then somewhere along the way, I started teaching people how to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I remember my first coaching session was at 20 years old with my older sister. <laughs> So that was my very first coaching session that I can remember. Um, and I've been studying myself and studying spirituality and, and the divine and everything. And how does that really work? Not from what another person says that I have to view it as, but how does that really work? And how does that fit into my life? And then how do, how do I make sense of humans, of other people and their behaviors and, <clears throat> excuse me, Why do these certain behaviors happen, right? So I started studying humanity very intensely to figure out how to help everybody. Sorry, I'm gonna mute myself for a second. Okay, I've been talking a lot without water. <laughs> Sorry about that. <clears throat> no worries. All right. <sighs> so I started studying humanity intensely, figuring out why do people behave in certain ways and what's underneath that and trying different methods of helping people, right? Because I'm like, if they could just grasp this one thing, it would change their life in this area. So I spent decades refining my skills, refining how I help people in a way that they can actually receive it. So in that process, there's of course, a lot of pivoting and changing that happens and I worked some other jobs in the meantime and, you know, what have you there. But this has been my lifelong journey. This has been what I have obsessed over in my life and helping others, right, so that I am here to change the world and rise to the occasion, you know, what was spoken to me at eight years old. Okay, I changed the world from the inside out. <clears throat> so I dedicated a lot of my time to gaining wisdom, to gaining understanding and insight and figuring it all out, right? That's been a huge chunk of my life. So if I were a stay-at-home wife for a little bit of that time while figuring it out, that's fine. I did other jobs here and there and that's fine until I started finding different avenues of work where I could actually utilize some of those skills to help people and then eventually step into it full-time as a life coach. So that's where we're at now. And the pivoting that I do now is the same stuff, but just in bigger ways, in different forms. Like there's one-on-one -on -one sessions or group coaching or books or courses or offering, you know, group classes, uh, workshops, you know, that kind of stuff. It just changes form. It's still the same stuff, but that's my pivoting these days. Nice. So let's talk about the value of, of connection and and, and maybe even into some of that 
idea of our interconnectedness each other, our interconnectedness to the divine. What would you like to know? Like, what's, what is personal for you in this space? Like, is there a specific question? Uh, I mean, I just, just want to share, you know, obviously, I believe that we're all interconnected. I believe that, that we were all created for purpose. And, and obviously, you've tapped into your purpose at a very young age, which is mm -hmm. pretty rare. And, and not that other people aren't getting sent the same message. They're just not typically receiving it. And so we're embracing it or or embracing. <laughs> it. Yeah, we uh, we have that idea killer voice in our head that, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> that you know, something pops into our head and says, well, that's a great idea. And then the voice in our head says, you could never do that. I know. <laughs> and we let it go. And so, so how, I guess your life, you mentioned your life situation, but what else, what else about your personality, about who you are allowed you to, to, to really grab onto that voice and, and mm. believe that it's meant for you? Okay, that's a good question. So it's, you know, that connectedness that you talk about, I felt connected from the time I came out of the womb, it was like, you know, the divine was my saving grace the moment I entered this world because I came into such a dark environment. Mm. And I was like wrapped in this little bubble mm. in the midst of all the darkness. And I always felt so close to the divine, so close from the time I, I as far back as I can remember. <laughs> wow. It was just a special connection that I had. So at eight years old, when I was told that, hey, you're here to change the world, I already knew that voice. Mm. I already trusted it. It was already a part of my being. It was already a part of my life. Like it was a part of like every fiber of me. I was already connected. So mm. when I heard that voice and I was told that crazy, amazing, wonderful, beautiful, scary thing at eight years old, I'm like, uh okay, <laughs> I believe you, <laughs> but I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> so I didn't dismiss it because of the history that I had with the divine leading up to it. Mm, that's so good. <clears throat> For someone who hasn't had the history, how, how would you help encourage them to raise their awareness of that voice, that, that presence in their life? I would say start small. You know, just start small with beginning to trust little stuff. And then once you build that over time, when the bigger stuff comes, you're like, okay, I've got this, I can trust. But it's also trusting in yourself too. You know, there's a, a joint creation there mm. where you're trusting in yourself, but you're also trusting in the divine and its guidance. So <clears throat> people become dismissive because they're like, oh, I can't do that. Insecurities pop up, fears pop up, all the reasons why they can't do it pop up. And I would prefer that it would be all the reasons why they can, mm. right? <laughs> that would be so much better. It, it would, but that's typically not how it works. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, obviously, I, that part of our brain was designed to keep us alive and, and mm -hmm. keep us, you know, in a safe space. And so mm -hmm. that part of the brain hasn't evolved to the level of it's still in survival mode in a lot of ways and, and trying to protect us from the lion outside the door, <laughs> even That's though there haven't, there, haven't <laughs> been, there haven't been lions outside the door for hundreds, hundreds, if not, you know, thousands of years at this point. So, right. yeah, but the comfort zone is 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 challenging to to push against you know, for, mm -hmm. for many people, and, sure. and I think our our culture encourages us uh, to engage in comfort, right? We oh, it does. We have comfort food. We have comfortable furniture. We have comfort. <clears throat> comfort is a is a is a driving force, which mm -hmm. I think just multiplies the idea of keeping mm -hmm. people in their comfort and unaware of their possibility and their potential. You're so right. You know, something that comes to me too is not just comfort, but ease and instant gratification. Oh, <laughs> yeah, instant gratification. 
I think that that's one of the most dangerous ones. So much, I call it our microwave culture, right? We have the mm -hmm. microwave expectation we can, you know, cook a full a full four course meal in in uh, five minutes instead of right. you know all of, all of the work that that leads up to it. Um, I blame Amazon a little too because now you can get everything from Amazon in two days, and we're and you order from somebody else and, and it takes a week to get there and you're, you know, disappointed. <laughs> there's, there's this expectation of you know, speed and convenience. And mm -hmm. I think we give up, we give up our connection to the divine. We give up our connection to, uh, to work on allowing things to develop fully. Right. Our connection to ourselves. Yes. Convenience. Right. For the sake of I know. Um, I get it. Yeah, and, and and so that that idea that you know you got to do the work, right? You got to you got to put in the reps, um, in not just developing yourself, developing mm -hmm. your your connection, right? If we can't sit down and and quiet our mind for you know thirty seconds, well, it's not working. Right, right, because it's not easy. You know, that's the ease that popped up. You know, there's there's two sides of ease. I can do a lot of things with ease, but I've already done the hard work, right? So for me, it seems kind of easy because I did the work to get to that space where it feels easy to me, but it's actually not. The other side of ease that's not so good is that people don't, they don't follow through. They don't continue with something because, oh, that's hard. Like hard is a bad thing. Like, you know, challenges are a bad thing. No, challenges equal freedom. Challenges equal growth. Like your dreams are on the other side of challenges. <laughs> and they're hard sometimes. If it's easy, you're not going to get where you're supposed to be. You're not going to become the person that you were supposed to become as you're getting toward that goal or reaching that dream. Yeah, so, so good. So so much you share in there, obviously, the, the, the idea of challenge, right? I think we give up on relationships when they get challenging or, or the other person challenges us rather than allowing it to be a growth opportunity and pushing, you know, pushing through the challenge mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then having a better relationship on the other side of right. the challenge, right? And, and I think the same fitness and personal development are so aligned in in, in what's necessary, right? I mean, fitness to, to really take good care of our bodies requires a daily commitment. And, it does. and I think taking care of our mind requires a daily commitment. Definitely. <laughs> and and so there's and, and it and it doesn't have to be hard. But if it is hard, you get further down the path, right? Mm -hmm. you, you accomplish more and it doesn't always stay hard. Right? It doesn't. It becomes easy at some point. <clears throat> Hopefully. <laughs> yes. That's been my experience. Like things that are really challenging at first, they become easy. If I stick at it, which I do, I'm a very determined person, but <laughs> you know, they do become easy over time. So um, there was something that you mentioned that was really important in that space. And I think what it brought up in me was that people are looking to create this image of their life that's easy and perfect mm -hmm. and path of least resistance. Wow. Right? So if they're looking for the path of least resistance always, they're denying themselves the best life that they could ever have. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, because the it's it's resistance that that causes us to grow, right? It's resistance that, mm -hmm. you know. Pressure, you, resistance, struggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think about, think about exercise, right? And they, we, we use resistance bands mm -hmm. to, to add just a little, a little bit of tension. Um, and thinking back to even that, that example mm -hmm. of, of a relationship, it's in the tension that a relationship grows. If there's no right. tension, then then the relationship isn't isn't challenging or pushing each other um, to another level, and so. Well, that's, that's just it. It's it's getting people to want to grow. 
mm. because they're taking the path of least resistance, which means they're running away from growth. <laughs> or walking slowly because they don't want to go fast. <laughs> right, or walking slowly, but the majority of people are running from growth. Mm. Wow. Nope, I don't want to grow. Nope, don't want to sit for a minute and be quiet with myself. Nope, I want that TV on all the time because I don't want to face myself. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's powerful, right? Like, don't want to sit with myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, and, and I, and, and you're right. There, there are a lot of people that, that don't want to sit with themselves mm -hmm. and don't want to self-reflect. I think, you know, yeah. one thing that I, I like to think of all the things that, that I teach entrepreneurs and teach um, in, in this in this space are all the things they didn't teach in school, right? Like mm -hmm. some of the finance things, some of the mindset and, and how your brain sure. works, some of the connection to spiritual things. And, and of course, those, those routines that, that just help us, right? And, and being able to stop and, and meditate, but also emotions, I think is another big thing. Mm -hmm. Nobody teaches us what emotions are and how they're supposed to work, you know, or how to process them. How to, right. How to allow them to do what they're designed to do, how to allow them to right. flow through us. And because they're energy, right. Emotions are energy. And, and right. we try to take that energy and we try to stop it. Like, no, don't get angry. Oh, don't get sad. Oh, don't do that. And we stuff them all inside of us. Yes. And so many people not only are walking away from growth, but they're walking away from growth in a state of anxiety and stress. So right. their body, their body and their brain are in fight, flight, or freeze mode. Mm -hmm. Their brain is emitting the wrong chemicals to help them be happy. It's emitting the chemicals of fight, flight, or freeze constantly, right. which it's not designed right. for. And if they get, if they just stopped just a little bit, mm -hmm. their body would be able to say, "Oh, we we don't have to fight or run or freeze. We can, oh." We don't have to throw those chemicals out there. And then if right. they smile or they laugh, then it throws out you know, dopamine, oxytocin, mm -hmm. serotonin, and, and all those other fun endorphins that are designed to be there more often, right? Our body's right. designed to handle those all the time. And, and yet so many people don't experience that way. And, and of course, we've got an epidemic of depression and anxiety and stress. And right. I think I think you you nailed it. People don't want to deal with themselves. No, they don't. Hundred percent. That's why I am who I am. That's why I do what I do. Hmm. Well, and, and that's why I've, <laughs> I dedicated my whole life to making sure that it's a pleasurable experience for people. <laughs> well, and and the challenge is all those people that are in that anxiety stress are running to their doctors and saying, "Give me a pill to fix it." Instant gratification, I know. <laughs> give, me a, give me a pill to fix it because I don't want to take responsibility for fixing it myself. Right. Or they just don't think they can. They don't think they could own it. That's the other dynamic. Hmm. Is that some people are self-aware enough. I've worked with a lot of people over the years and some of them are self-aware enough to know that something is amiss, something that like this isn't right, but they don't know how to fix it. So then they still run because they just don't know how to fix it. If they have the keys to fix it, then they would be able to face it. Like mm. they want to face it, but they don't know how, so they run. So I've worked with those people too. Mm. Sure. And, those are at least uh, having a level of awareness is obviously mm -hmm. the first step, right? Being able to help somebody yes. be aware, aware Correct. of their emotions, aware of their reactions, um, aware of their connection between their mind and their body. <laughs> um, yes. The fact that you can actually ask your body questions and have conversations that that help you solve problems mm -hmm. within yourself is mm -hmm. is eye opening and but it's so powerful. It is. If people are willing to just like you said, they just need to stop. Right. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift: Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com, addvalue2life.com forward slash shift.
If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So let's talk a little bit about stopping. How, how would you help somebody start a, a meditate, you know, meditation practice, just the practice mm. of, of raising their self-awareness? Good question. This brings up one of my techniques that people absolutely love. Mm. And it, <clears throat> it teaches them a very, very, very simple tool to now process their emotions for the rest of their life. Mm. In the moment. Like once you get the hang of it, you can do it in the moment. And you don't have to stay in those emotions, which is the thing. Like people are convinced that they have to be stressed. They're mm. convinced that they have to be fearful. You know, they're convinced that they have to be in this certain state that makes them miserable. No, you don't have to be. <laughs> right? So <laughs> definitely. So what I do is... Um, you know, I just take people into a, a meditative state. We close our eyes and then start breathing. Deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. And I begin having them release the word stress. Okay. So I've created a workaround for the subconscious because the subconscious likes to play with us, right? Until we are able to figure it out, reprogram it, realize how it's programmed, whatever. So as soon as people start thinking of, oh, I'm going to exhale stress, what stress am I exhaling? Where is it coming from? And their mind does all this craziness, right? So we eliminate that craziness with, don't think about where the stress comes from. Just think of the word and exhale the word. And it's so powerful because it calms the mind. The mind just stops. It's not trying to figure things out. It's not in control mode. Okay, so that's another thing that causes us a lot of stress and a lot of damage is control mode. Always trying to figure it out, always trying to figure it out, always trying to do this, always blah, 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 right? It's that control crazy mind. So if you're in a meditation, your meditative state, your eyes are closed, you're relaxed, you're breathing, you exhale the word stress, not worrying about where it comes from, just releasing it from your body. It's really powerful. Nice. And you can do that with anything. You can do it with stress. But I start with stress always mm. because stress is like the cap to everything else. Right. Once I can push through the stress and get that out of the way, once we release it, then I can get to the deeper layers. Mm. What's underneath the stress, right? So if they're exhaling their stress, now what's under it? And a number of things could pop up. Oh, I'm upset with this person because they did this. Well, why am I upset with them? Well, because they hurt me. So sometimes we can go straight for the hurt and release it the same way. We already kind of know where it came from, but even if we don't, we don't have to know, right? And that's just it. That's the beauty of this technique is that you don't have to know where the emotions came from. So if you're feeling pain, like internal emotional pain, you just release it. Exhale the word pain, get it out of your body. Same thing with anger. You know, a lot of men default to anger. A lot of women default to pain, okay? So with men, when they default to anger, instead of addressing the pain that caused the anger or other things, but <clears throat> we're just gonna use that as an example right now. <laughs> they default to anger. They don't have to hold on to that. They don't have to be in a state of anger. They don't have to find situations to release the anger. And it's unhealthy when that happens, right? Right. So all they have to do is think, oh, I can exhale the word anger and get it out of me, right? I'm feeling angry right now, so let me breathe it out. And people get in this habit of, oh, I'm feeling angry, let me breathe it out instead of holding on to it. I'm feeling resentful, let me breathe it out instead of holding on to it. I'm feeling pain, I'm feeling grief, depression, stress, whatever it is. Let me breathe it out instead of holding on to it. And again, we're not worrying about where it comes from. If that knowledge comes, great. If it doesn't, great, right? We're staying out of the control of crazy brain. <laughs> so then once we've made space, okay, we never want to leave the space empty because we don't know what's going to come and take its place. It could be more of the bad stuff that we don't want, right? 
So we want to fill it with something good. So let's take it back to the basics. So if we're exhaling stress, we're releasing the stress, what would you like in place of the stress? And I let each person determine that. And if they can't come up with something, then I give them something. But what would you like in place of the stress? Peace, okay, breathe in peace. So we're replacing it with really good energy, with a really positive feeling slash emotion. And that's helping the brain rewire, right? You talked about how the brain interacts with the body. It's helping the brain rewire because it's like, oh, I can have peace, what? <laughs> and the brain catches on. It's like, oh, let's work to have that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, mm -hmm. and that, that control piece you mentioned, so many people try to control all the wrong things, right? They try mm -hmm. to control the things exactly. that are uncontrollable Exactly. Which, which, of course, is going to create all kinds of stress. <laughs> you can't, and issues. Yeah, you can't have. And, and so much of our past, right? So many of our stories from our past are things people are trying to, to still have control over. And, mm -hmm. and typically, they're, the stories they're telling themselves, they're rehashing that, that event and those things from the, the past that are completely unchangeable and uncontrollable mm -hmm. and not telling themselves empowering stories about those those terrible kinds of things yes. how do you help them deal with some of those past stories and and rewrite their story you are asking the best questions <laughs> you're pulling out some of my best stuff <laughs> this is awesome okay <clears throat> so over the the years over the decades i developed a technique that i call past empowerment because we all have a past right? But we want it to stop haunting us and re-injuring us every single time the memory comes. Or we remember the feelings and we put ourselves back into that space, right? It injures us every single time that we do that. So when, you know, as a life coach, I'm here to move people forward. Every session is to move you forward. I'm not a therapist. I don't play in the history of a person's life. I don't play in traumas right? But stuff comes up. So if an event comes up, let's say the person is six years old, and it was a very traumatic event, I don't need to know details. To deal with it, to help them move past it and transform it, I don't need to know details at all, okay? The less I know, the more I'm happy about, <laughs> right. right? So I'll ask them, okay, what is this you know, identify the earliest memory of this thing that you're battling, right? If it's somebody causing them to feel like they're not enough or that you're not capable or whatever the case is, okay, let's identify the very first memory of that. And all the time, these memories pop up, they just do, right? Because we're in a sacred space, the divine is helping us, even if they know it's not, or even if they don't know it is, like, right. it's still helping us. So this memory pops up and I'm like, okay, do you have the memory? Yes. Okay. How old were you? I was six. Okay. Sounds good. So I want you to step in as your adult self into this memory. So the eyes are closed. We're in a meditative state. Step into the memory as your adult self and stop the bad thing from happening. Speak to the little girl or the little boy speak to the adult or the adults involved, do whatever you need to do. You will be guided in an appropriate manner for you. So stop that thing from happening. Go help that kid, right? And that's how I address it because if you try to see it as your younger self, the brain short circuits. So <laughs> go help the kid, stop that thing from happening. And most of the time, the people are able to get pretty far on their own without my assistance. Sometimes they just walk straight up to the adult and say what they need to say and good, okay. All right, that's dealt with. Now let's take it a little bit deeper. Did you forgive them? Did you release them? How about let's understand why they did what they did to you? Was it done to them? Is it generational? 
and people start to understand their abuser and they realize, oh my God, it's generational. So that understanding leads to compassion, that compassion leads to forgiveness. And sometimes if the scenario comes up, okay, go give to the adult what they didn't receive. Maybe it was a form of love and a hug. So as we're going through this meditation, they walk up to the adult and give the adult the hug. Oh my God, forgiveness, right? It's complete. Then we go to the little kid. Okay, how's the little kid right now? Sometimes, oh, the kid's happy. Okay, awesome. Is there anything else we can do for the kid to help them feel safe? And sometimes it's introducing the child to an angel or a loved one who's passed on or whatever the case is. Sometimes the child's angry. So, okay, teach the little kid how to release anger, right? Yeah. So we're going into this and transforming every stage and every part of the memory that keeps traumatizing these people over and over and over again. And I don't need to know details. That's just how simple it is and how powerful it is. Well, I think for many, forgiveness like emotion is one of those things that isn't taught very well. Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're taught, you know, the two kids fight on the playground and the teacher comes up and grabs them both by the scruff of the collar and you say you're sorry and you say I forgive you and and that's and and I think a lot of people just get an idea of forgiveness as letting that other person off the hook right and and that forgiveness has to do with the other person but forgiveness is really all about your own heart and your own situation and, and your own thoughts do, has nothing to do with with their awareness with it, you know, even years later, even if it's an event that happened yesterday, mm -hmm. you can forgive and let go for yourself mm -hmm. and never even tell that other person, right? Chances are exactly. the other person doesn't even know that you're holding something, holding on to something. Exactly. So, so can you just talk a little bit deeper about the value of forgiveness and why why it's so mm -hmm. important for your own, your own mm -hmm. heart to, to let go of those Right. So <clears throat> forgiveness, you know, like I said, if I'm going through the past empowerment technique with somebody, it brings understanding. Understanding brings compassion. Compassion then can lead to forgiveness. Forgiveness, the final stage of that is love. Sending a person love who's hurt you. Okay, so there's a very simple way that I address that, even with myself, because I live through life, I deal with stuff, you know? And it's like, oh, I don't like how that person treated me. Okay, immediately I go to, I send them divine love. Mm -hmm. Not mine, but divine love. I let it flow through me and to them. Done, right? I've been doing this for so long, that's my simple go-to is like, okay, now I need to do this. So what happens when somebody hurts us, a lot of us are taught to take the view of that person's evil or awful, I'm better than them. I'm righteous. I did what was right. They did what was wrong and blah, 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 right? I struggled with forgiveness with one person in particular for many years. So I'm not speaking from a place of self-righteousness. <laughs> I'm speaking from a place of experience. Of struggling want, to forgive. We want to be judges, right? We want to make sure that they're going to get punished. Right. I mean, we all, that's what we all want, right? That's why we tattletale mm -hmm. on our siblings. That's why we, you know, we, we, we want that. Even if it's not righteous anger, right? It, I guess we always feel like it's righteous anger. <laughs> but you still, Some people even, say if, it is. even if it's righteous anger, right. you still have to let it go. You do. You still have to let it go. Now, anger can be a guidepost for us to tell us that something is wrong, but then you let it go, mm. right? That's a healthy way of managing anger. But in this space of unforgiveness or forgiveness, whichever one we want to address in the moment, it's a place of I'm better than you. Mm. And you know, the divine had to teach me that I'm no better than the people who abused me, 
because I experienced a lot of abuse, a lot. But I'm now better than them. And the divine said, hey, guess what? Step off that pedestal. Because they're equal. Yeah, the, the understanding that they're operating at the highest level that they're capable of. Or what they were taught. Well, that's right. They're, right. They're only, they're, everybody's trying, really, ultimately, everybody's trying to do the very best with the tools that they have. Mm -hmm. And and tip, uh, typically, some of them have some pretty poor tools. Oh, yes, they do. That are either generational <laughs> or, you know, just junk that they haven't dealt with in their lives. And, mm -hmm. and it's it's heartbreaking to me to know how many people are, are out there in such pain and, and hurt. And then, of course, hurt people hurt people. And, and right, they become the abuser. Cycles just continue rather than... Yes. Than finding freedom in breaking that cycle. Yes, exactly. I mean, just holding on forgiveness inside of us is so toxic for our person, for ourselves. Yeah, it's heard so the, toxic. Heard the idea that that, that unforgiveness is like um, taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah, but it's also killing you at the same time. <laughs> exactly. It's only killing you. Right. right. Typically, unforgiveness is only hurting you. The other person isn't even aware of it. Well, on a deeper energetic level, it does hurt them because we all are connected. Absolutely. So that statement only goes so far in my realm, at least, of truth, of we're not hurting the other people with unforgiveness, but actually we are. And I think that, you know, that awareness helps people snap out of it, too. Because there's a goodness inside every one of us that doesn't want to hurt other people. Mm. But then when they realize, like, yeah, I'm hurting myself, who cares? But you're actually hurting the other person by holding on to this unforgiveness, this animosity, this resentment, this hate. I had hate mm. toward the person. And I was sending that energy to that person. That's harmful. Well, not just that person, that energy is emanating from your body to every person you encounter because mm -hmm. you can't, yeah. yeah, you can't undo that. And living in that space changes your energetic fields. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, letting go of those things is so powerful to, to find joy, to find freedom, to find peace. Um, oh, it is. So and it's like we reap what we sow, it's karma, it's whatever you want to call it. And you can't expect to have this deeply fulfilling, blessed life if you're living in the energies of fear, hate, anger, unforgiveness, you know, all these things. And people are like, but it's justified because society says it's okay. Okay, but do you want to feel joy? Do you want to feel like you have a blessed life inside and out? Do you want deeper fulfillment of life? Well, logically, have you seen anybody that's really angry, that's really joyful? No. <laughs> no. Can't occupy the same space. <clears throat> right. Have you seen somebody who's super resentful of another person who's really joyful? No. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Well, in helping people see that, you know, I, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur coach, but I come from you know, a ministry background and helping people sure. see that these resentments, these feelings impact your business. They impact your oh, they do. relationships. They impact everything, the decisions that you make. And until you make these things right for yourself, right? Until you make these things right, you, you will not make the best choices for your business and for your life. Exactly. I mean, even the thought process when it's like, oh, this person did me wrong, this person did me wrong, this person did me wrong. That thought process is not going to create amazing ideas or the best decisions, like you said, in your business. Of course it's not. Mm. You know, if somebody is walking around in anger and resentment toward another person, you're just going to attract more of that. Mm. And you're going to make decisions from the whole world is against me. I'm a victim. Oh. Those decisions are bad. <laughs> Well, and, and even that, that statement, right, that, that just continues to attract mm -hmm. a mess, right? Uh, right. In fact, I, I, I had a lady 
asked me just the other day, why do all these bad things keep happening to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and it's that. It's it's you're living in the world as a victim and you feel like everything's right. happening to you and right. you feel like everybody's against you and and you feel like all these bad, terrible things, and half of them are really just things that just happen, right? Like like or growth opportunities. Absolutely. But they still just happen to all of us, right? Flat tires, you know, long line in the grocery store. And these are just things that just happened. And you can mm-hmm. take those things as the world is against me, or you can just say, it just is, right? It this is just just life. And and yeah. choose I'm wrong to, with it. Yeah, choose to say, all right, even the even the worst things, right? I don't have to be a victim in the worst thing that's no. ever happened to me. I can say, no. okay. That was really bad, but I can move on. And I can say, right. I shouldn't have been at that place and that time. And and yeah, they're a terrible person and that terrible thing they did, they're going to be responsible to God for that. And God's going to take care of that. But I got to take care of me. And I choose joy and I choose mm-hmm. forgiveness. And I'm moving on. I don't care what they do. Okay. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, about routines. Obviously, you value... Um, routine you have meditation routine what other routines are are important for 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 your heart for your health and for your business Mm. so exercise very important i drink lots of water um out in the sunlight as much as i can be even though i work in the space that i do sometimes you don't see the sun all day it's like oh hi sun my son okay (laughs) but the sun is out there but he's not really working today. <laughs> no, it's too cold. Right. Yes. No, I understand. So I have a lot of self-care that I do as well. Outside of, you know, meditating, I stretch every evening and meditate at the same time. And there's a lot of stuff that I do. And then I also have other people um, help me with my self-care. So I'm not the one doing it. They're doing it for me, which is really helpful because I give so much that I have to have this other balance of self-care and then receiving from other people. So um, those are part of my routines. Uh, You know, organic food is my way. That's what I choose. And I choose to eat at home as much as possible just because I feel better doing it. So those are just some of the basic things. And then, you know, trying to go to bed around the same time every night within an hour you know, that's kind of, it keeps my body on a balanced rhythm. So it's really helpful for me too, but also I'm not rigid. So I go with the flow of my life and I have these routines, but if they're interrupted, that's okay. There's a reason. So, you know, I'm not so stuck on the routine that I become so rigid that I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause that's bad too. <laughs> sure. I love what you said about self-care. So let's dig a little deeper there. Mm-hmm. obviously as a giver at empathic you know you're, you're tapping into you know so mm-hmm. much and and pouring out of your cup yes i love that you said i'm getting filled up by others i'm allowing others mm-hmm. to, to help me with my self-care yes how, how do you identify those and, and how do you what are the things that are really important in for you in self-care and giving yourself permission to 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 self-care not for you necessarily but for those that are listening Mm -hmm. sure sure um so the thing that i can say with that is that if i didn't do self-care as much as i do i would be selfish i know that sounds backwards Mm -hmm. but i would be very selfish because i wouldn't have the abundance of energy to help others it just wouldn't be there so it would be very selfish of me. You know, my self-care includes the food, the exercise, the all of it. If I didn't go through all of that effort to make sure that I have all this stuff coming back at me that fills me up, there's no possible way I could do the work that I do. And then the world would suffer. The world needs what I offer. Mm, so good. So it's very selfish if I don't take care of myself. Mm, what a great way to put it. I love that. <laughs> I do. It's. I mean, it's true. And so many are, so many are convinced that that you know, self care is is 
got to go last or or secondary mm -hmm. or um, especially women. I think women, the mm -hmm. role of mom and wife and and house caretaker all has a great deal of expectations, right? That our world mm -hmm. has created, and they typically put themselves last. And, yeah. and it really, it really is the airline illustration, right? <laughs> You've got to put your oxygen on first, so you don't pass out, so right. that you're still awake to put the oxygen on your baby. Right. And 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 yet, so many still don't give themselves permission. Well, it's because society has told women for thousands of years that they don't matter. Oh. And that's what we believed. Mm. So women have to break through this thing that is deeply generational mm. that says, no, I do matter. Mm. It's that simple. <laughs> but powerful. Mm. Yeah, powerful. And, and giving themselves permission to break through that and then put themselves first. Right. Is really unselfish it is because they have more to give their family they have more to give their children they have more to put back in their home if they want to or hire someone to help them mm. yeah so good all right misty what's the big dream my big dream yeah so my dream that i've been working on since i was eight years old is to make the world a better place and i do that every single day but I'm aiming for billions, mm. not millions. It's too small for me. It doesn't motivate me. <laughs> nice. I'm aiming for billions of people, you know, touched by me directly or indirectly. I love that. Mm -hmm. Misty, thank you so much for sharing today. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and just what a wonderful conversation and so much value that you've added mm -hmm. to my life and certainly I'm sure our audience as well. Well, thank you for having me. And it was a pleasure and it was a great conversation. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Dr. Bonita Best and I have a wonderful conversation about adapting to the pandemic, finding ways to serve and live out her dream of helping people help themselves. She is an intelligent academic go-getter, making a difference in the world.